Major Crush, Episode 11, The Wine and Hoops Interview with David Griffin. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Major Crush. This is Meredith Griffin. And Lou Zant. I'm so chilling right now, Mare. It's a beautiful day in Sonoma. We've got some cheese, some crackers. We're tasting our wines that we're hoping to put in the Major Crush collection coming out. Some delicious ones, too. I've really been enjoying them. That Crush collection and blank wines are going to be good. Also, we're so excited to have uh, Lars Williamson and, and Josh Martin. You know, you guys have met them before. They're the blank wine guys, and uh, and along with them, and tonight's featured guest is the amazing Dave Griffin, who is the EVP of basketball operations for the New Orleans Pelicans, uh, previously with the Cleveland Cavaliers and previously with Phoenix Suns. He's just got a great history uh, in basketball and happens to love wine, too. And uh, Dave, thanks, thanks so much wife. for being. He yeah, I wine. think they leaned on him a little <laughs> Just bit. Just kidding. Bo- boss lady got me into this. And I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm really grateful to 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 get to be part of the process of of her wine evolution, and uh, it's certainly been fun to watch the evolution of wine within basketball. So. This should be fun to just kind of hang out. Yeah. And the cheese and the crackers are awesome, too. Well, they're really tasty. It makes this wine taste so good. This this uh, French rosé is kind of hitting the spot. So we started talking. We uh, Baxter Holmes has written a couple articles about wine in the NBA and the secret wine society that exists in the NBA. And then while the bubble was happening in Orlando, another article came out about most of the shipments coming into the hotel were wine shipments. Yeah, I was going to talk to you, but I'm, you shared some really cool stories about the bubble. Yeah. And I'm, again, so sorry you had to sit in a bubble for <laughs> that long. And yeah. when I, especially when I heard what you said, you know, all the restaurants are kind of owned by the same company. And it got boring, except if you could light it up with some cool wines, right? Yeah, and it was, I, I think, certainly the, the bulk of the shipments going into our hotel were wine. Um, <laughs> I, we had nothing to do you, with that. You didn't stock me <laughs> a up. A lot of love coming your way. But, you know, on our team, uh, Josh Hart uh, is somebody who's really become involved with wine, uh, very involved with the, the people at Wine Access that I know you guys know well. Mm-hmm. Um and J.J. Reddick is really on another level with his knowledge of wine. J.J. Yeah. has an incredible palate, um, has a really rich understanding of Burgundian wine. Um, really, I think that's his, that's his jam, as it were. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's both knowledgeable and connected. So the, the wine we were drinking was, was special good. Um, and in fact, had the opportunity to share some with Greg Popovich, who was also in our hotel who is far more knowledgeable than any of us on the, on the wine front. Really? And, and has a vineyard of his own. Oh, um, he does. And is he down in Texas, or is it here? It's, I believe it's here. Yeah. Um, Rock and Hammer is, is the name of I their I think their I've vineyard. heard of it, yeah. Cool. And Pop himself has a really deep understanding of French wine. So being able to provide him a bottle or two uh, that you all gave to me was yeah. really special. So. Now, did, didn't you say, like, Pop was one of the, the pie, I thought I heard you say he was sort of the first guy to step up and do these wine dinners with the players, right? Yeah, so when I was in Phoenix, uh, Steve Kerr was, was our president, and he had played with San Antonio, won championships there, and, and shared sort of what the behind-the-scenes cultural development really was in San Antonio, and a big part of it 
was was Coach Popovich taking all of his staff and players to pretty um, pretty incredible dinners, like high end um, wine, all over the country. Oh, really? Where he would stock it with very high end wine, and he picked a lot of the restaurants he took the team to based on the wine list. Um, he certainly knew a lot of the psalms around the country. Um, and if Pop tells you a restaurant is worth going to, you, you better go. listen. Yeah. <laughs> and so what happened was they really started that, and, and they were in the forefront of all of that. And educationally, Pop was using that also as a way to broaden people's horizons. And uh-huh. what ended up happening was when Steve shared that with us, we tried to start to do some of that and model some of that in Phoenix, and we really took that to an altogether different level in Cleveland with the teams that we had there because, as it turned out, LeBron James, Channing Frye, and Kevin Love were all really into wine. Oh, really? And so mm-hmm. it became a huge part of our team building and our camaraderie was was around meals and wine, and it's something that really took off for, for us. And ironically, as we were... As it was taking off within the teams, Meredith's background in wine and knowledge of wine was growing. So she eventually served as the team SOM in Cleveland. There you go, Meredith. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. It was, yeah. it was a lot of fun, and it's been a lot of fun. And I would say in terms of wine knowledge, I'm probably at the bottom of those teams that I was on. Our players themselves, brilliant, um, and, and staff as well. So it's it's been a really... Um, complete family love affair yeah i don't know if it was ethan or you somebody sent me a meme uh during the bubble and it was like this guy missed a dunk and the guy said what a little too much pinot noir last night (laughs) and the guy said actually yeah i had a good one yeah (laughs) and and he would not have been alone i I think (laughs) around the around the league itself it's become such a thing and meredith Mm -hmm. you referenced baxter holmes articles Um, it's really become a central part of what players are doing um, off the floor in terms of food and wine. You know, at one time, I think prior to Pop starting this train moving, I, I think d- food was just something you did from a sustenance standpoint, cramming in and get back to the hotel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it became what Meredith likes to say with mm-hmm. the can't you, an act of mindfulness yeah. to drink wine. And then pairing the food and the wine in a better fashion became a big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just continued to grow and evolve. And in our hotel, it was it was like staggering because all the playing teams were in the same hotel. So we're at the Yacht Club on Disney's campus and we had the Portland Trailblazers and Carmelo Anthony's on that team. And Carmelo is extremely knowledgeable Mm -hmm. and drinks some incredible Mm -hmm. wine. Really? So he would take that to the restaurant at the hotel. And the players would pass that around. JJ's bringing Ponceau. Yeah, and, and also on Portland is CJ McCollum, who just started his own wine label. Has a label, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, cool. And Channing cool. Fry, who's also living in Oregon, mm-hmm. has a label that he started there as well. So you've got Portland with their whole wine connection. <laughs> you had Popovich and his wine connection. You had our team with JJ and uh, Josh Hart. It was really incredible. So there was a lot oh, of you know, I'm being so jealous. Around. I just couldn't a, have been a, a so, bug on the table. Yeah, it was cool. yeah, just a big melting pot of it sounded like Oregon, Burgundy, a little Bordeaux, and just a little bit of everything. Just kind of brings everyone together. That's and then just, everything that you were sending to me here, yeah, the you local. know, the schoolhouse Pinot that we shared with Pop, he was dumbfounded by. I love that. And I love that. Really we thought, thought it was, it was good. We yeah. thought it was a winner. Yeah, he was, you were right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, it just as if he tells you to go to a restaurant, you go. 
if he tells you a wine is worth purchasing, you buy it. Yeah. Uh, and he was <laughs> he was dumbfounded by the schoolhouse. Yeah. That's so yeah. cool. And I think you were telling me too, like JJ Reddick was having a a guy's night, uh, weekend up at his place in the Hamptons for just to kind of do wine. Yeah, and you'll you'll end up talking to JJ and he he'll walk yeah. you through what that what that is. Yeah. But again, this has become a really central part of their educational background and sort of broadening their horizons and learning about where they want to travel and in some cases guys are turning it into I want to learn to speak French before I go to wow. Bordeaux and Burgundy yeah. so pretty cool very cool that's awesome. cool you know one of the cool things that I, I thought about what you said with um, pop and uh, the the schoolhouse Pinot is his willingness to take a new world wine as seriously as he does old world Burgundian style Pinot. Um, so he was willing to say that you know that this was a killer wine and and appreciate it for what it was. Yeah, I think it's I think it's unique. It's something that Pop does um, that very few truly great um, celebrity coaches and executives do. It's it's really immerse himself in knowledge. You know, he's not so set in his ways that he's going to play the same way every year. Yeah. You know, he, he evolves. He does. He, he evolves everything he does to the team that he has, and everything changes and grows and, and sort of evolves. And I think a big part of that is seen in the way he enjoys wine and goes about it. You know, his his evolution in wine is similar to his evolution as a coach. What a great point. So yeah. it's fun to see. He's not, yeah. He's not. Lars made a great point. He's, he's not a closed-minded individual at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so, you know, obviously with basketball and coaching and all of that, but it's something I think we can really learn from wine because how many times have I been like, oh, I don't like that, you know, I don't like rosé, it's all sweet. And then you have one, you go, wow, this is fantastic. I feel like you get your mind challenged all the time trying wines because it forces you to try things you might not like. Well, that's why I'm so excited about the Crush Collection. We're going to be able to have people try four wines every month that we've picked out mm-hmm. that blew our minds, mm-hmm. you know? Exactly. Yeah. Because we've been there. You yeah. know, they're, oh, I don't like this particular varietal. You yeah. and I both have yeah. those. We and talk was... about Merlot. A lot of people don't give Merlot a chance. And there's some fantastic Merlot out there, but you got to be willing to try a Merlot. Zen. Yeah. Cab Franc and, and, and Zen. Zen. You can yeah, talk about Lars and Zen. Yeah. <laughs> My <laughs> Zen journey. Yeah. <laughs> your conversion. Your Zen conversion. Yeah. AKA I mean, Lou Zen imposing his Zinfandel on me. I impose my will and my Zen on you. But I love it. That worked. I mean, I would say with David, you know, he's so great. I'm such a nerd. I talk all the time about pairing whatever I'm making with wine and I'll always ask him, well, what are you in the mood for? And he's always like, whatever you're going to pour me. And he's open to whatever that is. And at the same time with what you all sent me in the bubble, hmm. I was actually very mindful of pairing the right things with dinner. Um, <laughs> so uh, the people at Christopher Creek that sent us the Lavio Pino by way of example, mm-hmm. we made sure we had that with a pork that night. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the, Fapoli, the Fapoli shard was something we did with really good wow. seafood. Um, oh, what a perfect. It was awesome. Um, and again, when, when you're surrounded by people that are being mindful in that way, and trying to find perfect pairings, they're striving for, for, for perfection in their game, but they're, they're trying to find the perfect wine, the perfect mm-hmm. pairing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it sort of makes you raise your game a little bit. And I've seen that with our players as well. And Meredith, you've seen that too. Oh yeah, definitely. And I think one of the things that's interesting that, you know, even in Baxter Holmes' article or we've seen is that- Now that was in the ESPN, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I wanted to get, let the <clears throat> listeners know. Oh yeah, in ESPN where he talks about players respect wine, have so much respect for winemakers because they realize they're putting all these hours into trying to make a perfect wine and they relate to that as into all the hours they put in to perfect their game. Yeah, and I, I think it speaks to, to that and I think it speaks to the artistic nature of what they do. Mm. You know, basketball being a form of jazz, as many people have said. Um, Winemaking is certainly that. Oh, yeah. um, Controlled chaos. Yeah, <laughs> ex exactly. And I, I think it the the very nature of wine lends itself to a sort of procedural connection for players mm -hmm. but it also it's like uh the the book uh contagious mm -hmm. talks about the social currency of social media and that reading something on twitter that you share with people people gives you knowledge that then you get social value out of sharing mm -hmm. yeah well yeah. what's happened with our players is they're getting social value out of bringing a better bottle of wine to dinner than yeah. the last time <laughs> yeah so you see and, a little competitiveness oh, yeah. going in very with the wine. much oh, yeah. I, I know more about this region than you do very yeah. much yeah. yeah and you know it's going to be competitive yeah yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, it has i mean who can who can get the bigger fork is competitive yeah. You know? yeah. and i i think um one of the, and Meredith got to see this actually. Mm. I, I don't know that I have ever seen Kevin Love more joyful <laughs> other than during the championship celebration yeah. and immediately after the game and on the parade float and that yeah. kind of thing. Other than that, I don't know that I've ever seen him more joyful. Meredith was mm -hmm. there too. When the Cavaliers came out to Napa, they stayed at Meadowood, mm -hmm. they went to Brand. Uh, yeah, LeBron that's James. you know that's Paul Shake Shack's. Uh, his son oh, yeah. is the winemaker there. Okay. So LeBron had a real good relationship with the people at Brand. Set up a tasting there, where they were blending their own wine. Oh yeah. And they were they were challenged to make a blend that was as close to the one that they tried. And Kevin Love saw me at the hotel, came up yeah. behind me, picked me up off yeah. the ground and said, did they tell you how close to perfect I was? Did they tell you how close to perfect I was? I only missed it by 1%. Yeah. So he was able to try the wine and then mimic the wine himself as a winemaker. And it wow. gave him such incredible joy. Yeah. But you talk about social currency. <laughs> He'll never have a moment bigger than that. I'm sure. <laughs> okay, what are the two greatest things Kevin did ever happen to you? Well, I won the, I actually got a one within one percent of the blend of wine, and then oh yeah, we won the championship. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Oh yeah, that, that little thing there. And by the way, just to clarify for y'all, you know, every most every wine, uh, when it says it's 100% Cabernet Sauvignon, for example, you are allowed. Um, a, percentage of every bottle to be able to add small percentages of other varietals mm -hmm. and sometimes it's incredible what a little bit of a dash yes. of, of Merlot and a little dash of Petit Verdot. It's amazing. We did a blending experience on vacation once at one of the wineries in Napa and it was one of those really cool moments and this was five, six years ago. We went through and you know there's 16 different cabs and so they you know, ask you to find the two cabs, you know, from the lightest to the boldest. And then you can add it with add any of those other Bordeaux varietals, Merlot, Petit Verdot, Malbec, and Cab Franc. And they ask, they tell you to play with it. You know, we had the little, uh, 
uh, uh, like a, like a yeah. Yeah. almost like an so, eyedropper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah. like measuring it and trying, and it would be you'd have like a half. Yeah. Of like half of a milliliter, and it would completely change. Yeah. It's so the weird, taste. isn't it? How much mm-hmm. that changes. And it was cool because yeah. they tell yeah. you like if you want it to be more jammy and like more fruit, you want to add some petite verdot, but don't add too much because then it'll be over. So they kind of gave you these cues, and you don't realize what a difference. It's those, amazing. Uh, yeah. These little percentages, and here Kevin wins. I guess. <laughs> well, and I can tell you this: I was within one percent of. I have no idea what I've done. <laughs> because this I, is so true. I, I, I literally got to the point where my measurements were so far off that I had just sort of the neck of the bottle left. So I went over to like seven different barrels and just filled it up. Yeah. Shook it up, and that was it. Tutti like this, fruity. This is this yeah. is our blend. And what ended up happening in terms of social currency and competitiveness, oh. and this is the biggest moment in the Griffin household. Uh, there you go. Uh, maybe we don't. My I don't wine. Think we Give to, us a drum roll. Oh, we definitely wine, have to hear it now. which was done very poorly. I mean, really shoddily With put no together. With no focus. We aged these wines and opened them later like and tr- three, tried three years? them. And had a good friend of ours, Ryan Waugh. Yeah, Ryan. He's, Waugh. Yeah, he's, you know a, well. he's a beast, yep. a wine beast. He blind tastes. Hey, man, we had him and Crystal. He and Crystal both, yeah, yeah. they blind taste the wines that we made. And as Ryan's going through it and he's getting a good nose on it and he's really trying to feel and experience the wines, he's like, well, this winemaker knew exactly what they were doing. <laughs> they they really put together this no. is a very tight wine, very <laughs> well pur- done. They had a purpose and a vision no. <laughs> of what they were trying to create. And I'm like, that's and, me. And we look at each other, and I'm like, that's yours. <laughs> yeah. I had and then he says, percentage. now this one was really kind of random and blah blah blah. Turns out the good one was mine. I love it. I, love <laughs> I don't it. Hell like yeah. this story. I know you I don't, don't at like all. This story. Rematch. But I can tell you, Rematch. I knew what he was talking about Fine. with the other person who did it to the very nth. Because everything you do is so perfection. <laughs> and I don't know if there's a better way to say that a lot of wine just is subjective. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> like There's not a better way it, to say it, it, it I mean, there's, I mean, if Lou would have tasted one, he could have said the exact opposite. And, and See, absolutely. I bet right. you all would have picked mine. <laughs> yeah, probably. but right now, for Dave's sake, it oh, was... Oh, no. It it was, was, all I know uh, right there was professionals <laughs> there. Ryan and Crystal both felt very strongly about my wines. Cut, cut. He's a great winemaker, too. Your, your wine versus Kevin's now. Now, that would be uh, something. Yeah. There's <laughs> that would be a mismatch. I'm afraid <laughs> Kevin would there's, there's the face-off. So it's, you know, it's funny. We're, we're joking about the competitiveness between us. And mm-hmm. I mentioned that players are competing with each other for who can bring the best bottle of wine. So LeBron and Carmelo and those guys, when they get together, I'm sure they bring some very expensive wine. Yeah, you know that. But LeBron's palate is really evolved. And he's very, very good in this space. Really? I mean... He's special in a lot of areas, but this is one where you can really tell he's he's got a gift. I love it. And so I think what happens is these guys start to then compete with, yeah, sure, I could bring an $1,800 bottle of Burgundy here, and you'll all know it's good. But what if I find something great that everyone has access to, and I just happen to find it? So the hunt aspect I love of this, that. the competing mm-hmm. in the hunt I, is interesting. Yeah. And we talked about C.J. McCollum has mm-hmm. a label now. Mm-hmm. Channing Fry has That's a label. label. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they're starting to compete in that space. But it's really because it started with like the grain of interest. 
And I think it's really cool what you guys are doing from a Blake wine perspective, Josh, that you're, you're taking it from wine interested to wine informed. And that's what I've seen happen with our players in the presence of some of those guys that turn them onto it for the first time. Yeah, that's, that's really awesome to hear. And I mean, that's, that's why we're doing it is to help people kind of explore and find these wines that, you know, they otherwise wouldn't be able to find. And like, like you said, the only way that, you know, anyone can go out and buy an expensive bottle of wine. And if it has a big price tag, it's probably going to be good. But the fun kind of starts when you can start picking up on certain characteristics and, you know, finding those really exciting wines at a very reasonable price point. And that's kind of where the hunt comes in. And I think that's where people kind of get hooked because there is yeah. so much variability. You could grow, you know, something in one region that's very close to another region and or within the same region, just yeah. different producer, different winemaker and different farming style. And you can really find some gems when you look for them. And yeah. that's what we're planning on doing is at Blink Wines is we know a lot of those gems and we want to help people discover those and we want to bring them to their door to make it yeah, as easy so as I'm possible. I'm so excited about that. Yeah. And it's like today. I mean, when when do you have an afternoon that we're getting together for a podcast and we're tasting, uh, we're trying a uh, Muscadet, a Paso Robles Cabernet Sauvignon, a Vino Verde, a Rosé, and a Sauvignon Blanc. Mm-hmm. We're you only know. doing that because it makes every podcast seem really good. Seem. <laughs> <laughs> we think it's like the best one ever. Yeah, when these we're podcasts done. are just big excuse to drink. Yeah, let's just <laughs> drink get some down wine. To that. Yeah. But you know, we are so blessed being up here when we do yeah. get to taste all these. Because when I was back in Florida. I did that with my buddies. We would try to have a contest for the best under $20 wine we could find. And it's fun to do. And when you do find one, you are fired up. Yeah, you, de- you definitely And are. I drank one yesterday at the winemaker's luncheon up at Kevin uh, Brown's place. Um, I, had, I had bought this bottle of Cirrus, C-Y-R-U-S, yeah. like 20 years ago. And I was like so excited. It's Alexander Valley of Vint- oh, Vintners. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's, it's still... I think it's still forty-five or fifty-five dollars a bottle for a cab, and it's oh, as wow. good a cab as I've ever drank. Wow! And it has some age on it. Yeah. Wow! I've heard of that, but I can't say that I've had that wine before. Oh, terrific wine! So I think again, going to their their motto, you know taking people from wine interested to wine informed and you talking about how a lot of the players started out that way they were just interested in wine and then you know I think it's something of being a professional athlete you have that mentality if I I learn a little bit I want to I want to learn more but I also think what's interesting and what I've seen being around them is like kind of the I hate to call them an older generation because they're all still younger than me but the older generation now because LeBron is now the older JJ they're the older guys they're also starting to kind of mentor the younger guys and teach them about wine and kind of giving them a you know kind of like what probably pop did for his players you see that now with the players doing that with the younger generation no for sure yeah that's absolutely true and i know you you remember watching some of the dinners we had Mm -hmm. um and i'd send you the wine list in advance um (laughs) and we had we had several players that were being exposed to things because of the presence of Channing and Kevin and LeBron mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that they would have otherwise never seen. Yeah. And I, I think it's a beautiful thing. And again, this all goes back to the team dinners Pop would do 
right? Yeah. And everybody's doing a bastardized version of what he does that makes him special good. Yeah. But the mentoring aspect of what you always talk about, the mindfulness mm-hmm. of this is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I'm so excited with, with what Lars and Josh are doing because they're, they're almost targeting a younger group, a younger audience yeah. that ordinarily would think of wine as just what gets me drunk. Yeah. And, and now you're giving them the awareness of the greatness that exists within a bottle. And I, I think that's important. And I know, you know, listening to you guys often, and you've you've shared that I'm a big Pinot fan. Um, yeah, yeah. I you're think, the reason I you converted me to Pinot. Um, that whole thing starts with the movie Sideways. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. it always does. And, yeah, and, always and does. Paul Giamatti's character loves Pinot and Dude, talks about it's it. a finicky grape and you can't grow it. And and I think team building is a very finicky experience. Yeah. So to me. Pinot is just the, the varietal that the most pertains to what I do for a living. And so if I find one that's particularly good, um, I feel like everything all came together. And I think with a Pinot, oh, that's I've a heard, cool this said, heard this said by several winemakers, sometimes you have to be, it's better to be lucky than good. Yeah. <laughs> In what we do, it's the same. Yeah. You know, yeah. to create a great Pinot takes luck. Yep, and to create a great team takes luck, and so part of my journey, <laughs> like in the number is one draft pick twice. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> that does help. That wasn't luck, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. A, a mm. little luck involved in the fact. That was just speaking it into existence. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he's creating the luck. Yeah, and you've talked a lot, and it comes back to what we, Lou and I, almost always talk about on our podcast. It always comes up as wine connects people, and ultimately, at the end of the day, that's kind of what it's doing. It's bringing people around. The table breaking bread and connecting them over a shared experience and i think it parlays into every part of life it's it's so amazing when you start you know and i'm going to encourage all our listeners just to think about that phrase wine connects people and you know start noticing you know it's a we've been coming out of covid and we do have close friends and family that we can still hang out with and it's like hey uh meredith you and Dave come over, let's pop a bottle of wine tonight mm-hmm. and hang out and visit and get mm-hmm. caught up. And gosh, and one that, what I love about wine, beer is a brawler. You know, you're doing too much beer, you're ready to fight. Whiskey, you start screaming. And, you know, and a, you know, a couple of bottles of wine for throughout the evening, you're just in a great space. And, and then ready for sleep. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. A perfect definitely, transition. It, it definitely helps with the sleep. But I do think, to, uh, back to the point, too, of wine becoming something more that both players and that is, and we talked about this a little bit, I think, in a meeting we had the other day, is you're, wine is not, to, you're not drinking it to get drunk. Wine is about the experience. That's what I was trying to wine say. Wine is yeah. about <clears throat> connecting. Wine to really be about wine. If you're drinking wine to get drunk, you're, you're drinking for the wrong reason. <laughs> it might be two buck chuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if you're really about the experience, that's not what wine is about. And we've talked about this too in Europe and this goes back to Pop a lot because I know he's, you know, travels a lot in Europe. Europe is in Europe, wine is part of the meal. It's it's not separate from the food. It just is part of it. Yeah. Oh, they got yeah. bottles open at lunch. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. All yeah. The time. There's nothing <laughs> unique about that. And We're not much s- different than that here. <coughs> I, I love Major it. Crash headquarters. <laughs> From a scouting perspective, I mean, I've shared this with you before. Well before we were wine drinkers, mm-hmm. when I would scout in Italy, lunch had wine on the table. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I found myself going to games sometimes when I first started scouting. 
I would enjoy too much wine before the game. Um, <laughs> Oops. And I've never had States, that happen that to me, happen. Dave. I'm right. so sorry. I can't relate. <laughs> in the States, before a basketball game, you don't go sit at a bar yeah. or a, a, a restaurant, a cafe, yeah. Yeah. and have two yeah. two glasses of wine before you go watch a basketball game. Yeah, a little game. wicker well, basket there, full of Chianti. <laughs> it's really, really common. Yeah. And so it's, it's different. And in China, it's the same way. When you scout over there, the team oh, owners is? and the GMs. They like to break bread before games, oh, and they're very into toasting. And uh, Yao Ming has has a label out here. And yeah. yeah, that's yeah. right, huh? Um, and he was really, I think, the first player um, of this generation of player to get involved out here. Yeah. I think he I was, think, too. Yeah, I think, yeah. I, think I went to the very first release meeting that they had for him uh, down in San Francisco, and um, I was just impressed. I mean... He got it, but Chinese man, they love the big cabs. They really have embraced. Love Bordeaux. Love there, there's Bordeaux. There's a big import from Bordeaux and a little bit of Burgundy. And well, you know why? That, some Napa too. You know why that is? Um, our really dear friends, Roger and Cindy. Her mom was up in a well, province outside of Beijing, and China said, "Look, you know." we're importing all these like a lot of wine from and it seems like most of it's coming from the bordeaux region mm -hmm. they got her mom and she moved to bordeaux for five years and studied winemaking ended up becoming an award winner and that's how like china then she went back got cuttings planted bordeaux vines wow. in this province of china and it's one of the largest vineyards, and they're now growing Bordeaux varietals. And that's how it happened. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, it? that's very Absolutely. cool. We need to have Cindy on one of our podcasts. Yeah, that would actually... And tell that story. It's great. She's now got her PhD from UC Davis. Really? Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, we got to get her on our and podcast. And a new baby boy. Well, she might be too busy for a podcast. Yeah, I might we'll be a little busy. <laughs> uh, we'll figure it out. <laughs> There's a... Uh, there's a tradition in China when you when you scout there and, and when you go to games and you're with those group of people, whoever the highest ranking person at the table gives the first toast. And if that person says gumbe, which basically translates to slam it, oh, you no. slam whatever it is you have in your glass. No. So I learned to start with water or yeah. soda, right? Yeah. So that I didn't gumbe wine. Yeah. But the way I found that out was I was at a meal where uh, we were scouting a player by the name of E. Jian Lian at the time. And E. ended up being, I believe, the fourth pick in the draft. And I was with the late Dan Fagan, a oh, great, yeah. great scout, a very powerful uh, agent, rather, mm -hmm. very powerful agent. And Dan was representing E. And we were with the owners of the team that E. played for and in Guangdong. And they are pouring... Rothschild for everyone. No. And chugging after, Rothschild. After the meal, we've all got a glass of wine, and the first toast is given, and the owner of the team says gumbe. So we proceed to finish off several bottles of Rothschild while slamming it so over and over. Five thousand dollars a bottle. I would give yeah. a lot to have one of those bottles back now that I actually know what I was drinking. Oh yeah. man. I would have been drinking Dr. Pepper or something, you know. Yeah, you gotta have two drinks. You gotta have the slamming drink and then you gotta have the the wine in the other hand. And be ready because they do toast all the time. Our friends, man, they're crazy. I think I remember you hurting a little bit the next day. You called me, and that was a rough morning. 
So Dave, you know, it's kind of a new new beginning for you, uh, going down to the Pels, and you've got a young team, and um, you know you're going to nurture and create a, a very sophisticated and complex and integrated team. What are your thoughts about uh, what's going on now with the Pels? Yeah, because we just to interrupt, we have guys who can't drink wine. We can't have <laughs> team dinners are aren't quite the same. <laughs> Yeah, so we uh, we were really fortunate last year to uh, win the lottery when we first took over, um, which ended up getting us the first pick and enabled us to select Zion, who, of course, was all rookie this year. And had he played more than 24 games, would have certainly been rookie of the year. Yeah. Um, but we were blessed. We had a really good draft. We drafted several young guys that we're excited about. But to Meredith's point, when we played out here, I believe we played Golden State and Sacramento, and we had some days off in between. Right Meredith Christmas. arranged for us to take a trip um, to to wine country, and we had to have two trips set up. Uh, Swin Cash, who works with us on the front office in New Orleans, took the young group that wasn't able to go oh. taste wine to <laughs> yeah. Google to get a, a tour of Google. Which it would be cool too. Yeah. Still yeah. cool. Yeah. And but. then we took the, the more veteran group, yeah. uh, JJ and Nicolo Melli and, and Josh and those guys, basically everybody but the really young kids. Yeah. Uh, we took them up to, uh, to do tastings yeah. and uh, really had an enjoyable time out. But well, out of curiosity, Nicola Nelly, being from Italy, uh-huh. what, what's his, like, what was he like with wine? Oh, he's yeah. got an incredible palate. Italian wine. Really, really, <laughs> really, really informed, educated mm-hmm. guy. Oh, cool. Um, and from a life experience standpoint, one of the more incredible human beings you'll ever be with. Just such a rich background. Meredith has told me that when we're watching a game. She just says he's the best. Yeah, really, really high basketball IQ. But just off the court has been exposed to incredible things. Um, American mother, Italian father. Um, has a dual passport yeah. um, nice. and is extremely and is worldly. To a, a German. His woman. wife is German, so he's very. They got passports, like a, <laughs> yeah. a, a briefcase full of passports. And they're yeah. they're just so incredibly worldly, and has has been really good to to get to know and to be around that young group, right? Yeah. Because good as you cultural said, we're development. So young. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. no question. So it's yeah. it's great to blend that. Um, but we're optimistic that we're going to be able to raise a family there. Um, you have a great group of guys. I mean, I say, I always am like, I, you can't have favorites. But the, but I really, honestly, all our guys are good guys. You keep like, saying nice that, guys. Mary. Like, I'm sick of hearing tell, you <laughs> telling us. Yeah. And how proud I mean, are you of Brandon this year? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, yeah. she's, first of all, she's right. With that character of human beings that we're surrounded by. Which is so important is, to you. Is huge. And yeah. ownership has enabled us, Mrs. Benson and her group have enabled us to do this the right way. Yeah. And so we're going to be slow and mindful in the approach, just like you're supposed to be with a good bottle of wine. Um, <laughs> I'm probably yes. never mindful enough with the wine, but um, we're going to be really slow and mindful in the way we build it, which we're blessed to be able to be. Mm-hmm. But Brandon Ingram's just another one of the examples. Gosh. Of supremely high character good kid that will do whatever it takes to find his greatness will work as hard as anybody possibly can obviously really innately gifted as well yeah he's going to outwork any deficiencies he has um which he did this year 
clearly winning most improved player and doing two a days virtually every practice day where he would go back to the gym at night with Fred Vinson and Lonzo Ball and they'd get up shots together Um, I mean it shows (laughs) right and it's I I think it's I think it's something where our group is is learning um, what they're capable of I think we showed flashes this year of, of potentially yeah. being very good. A lot we, of games. We also showed our youth. Yeah. Um, and I think certain vintages do the same, right? And and we need to get to the point where we age well. I like especially the way that I think the the pressure of Los Angeles was able to lift off the shoulders of Lonzo Ball. He seems so much happier now. Yeah, and I think you've seen that with with Josh as well. I think the experience was very difficult, and and Brandon spoke very well on, well about this when when he won Most Improved Player. There are a lot of distractions in L.A. for young guys. Yeah, and when they came to New Orleans, it was really just about ball, yeah, and, crab meat and ball, and and <laughs> you can't. It's hard to eat healthy in restaurants. Yeah, in it is. But yeah. other than that, a lot of cream. Um, it's it's all about ball. And the Saints really rule the area. Yeah. And they're extremely good, but they were built in exactly the same sort of cultural identity that we want to build. Good. Um, and so we're, we're really well supported there. And uh, I, I think this is probably something that sets itself up to be pretty special down the line. Wow. How nice. Hey, Lars. How's that? How well, good thanks. has it been today, you know, getting Dave here? And, and it's fun? Oh, it's been special. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, no, I'm not hearing too many glass clinks. I think we might need yeah, one of those well, right let's now. let's do a toast to the Pels. To the Pels. Sorry, Ethan, we are not toasting to the L.A. Lakers. Yeah. <laughs> Yay, Ethan. But thank you for doing this. Thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you so much, Dave. <laughs> yes, Meredith, it was really nice <laughs> to you. join you today. Thank, thank you for you, obeying a Meredith telling her, you better get your, your fanny over here. <laughs>